So we're walking our way through Luke, and for the next, this week and at least next week, you're going to think, hey, isn't Christmas over? But all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, and this is where God has us, all right? So I'm going to read a very familiar passage to you. I'm going to talk about how I think that I saw and how I believe most of you see this passage if you just have it play in your mind right when you read it. Then I'm going to get some Greek and some Hebrew and some history down on y'all and some old school books that none of us have ever read, scrolls and stuff like that. And then we're going to revisit what it is actually trying to tell us, how good it is. And then right at the end, you might want to pick your feet up off the floor because I'm going to ask you some really hard questions. I'm going to challenge you, challenge me in some really hard ways. And I believe conviction is going to fall on us, and we're going to have a response there. We're going to be convicted, and we're going to get angry. We're going to be convicted, and we're going to blame. We're going to be convicted, and we're going to shudder and push out. Or we'll be convicted, we'll repent, and we'll heal. And amazing, wonderful, powerful, God-glorifying things will happen. Here is the gospel according to Luke, and here is... Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, which we did two or three verses of at the end of last time. We're picking them up and moving all the way through. The shepherds and the angels, lowly beings on the ground, heavenly beings on high. The message between this expanse of beings. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And all of us know it as they were sore afraid. Remember that when you're reading it? Angels keeping watch over their flocks by night, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news or good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, right? Today, in the town of David, a Savior who has been born, and he is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. He's been dropping these little nuggets of information that you and I may or may not recognize, but a, a child who grew up in a Jewish culture would have heard each one and gone, well, that's, that's interesting, and then the next one, oh, oh, that's even more interesting, and then the next one, oh, wait a minute. Remember last week, if any of you watched, when we saw Mary, you know, she knew that she was from the line of David, and she knew that Joseph was also from the line of David. She knew that she was a virgin, and there was an angel talking to her, and no, this is weird. There, there's only a few things this could be. I could be carrying the Messiah, all right? Unto you has been born this day. He is. It's like, little cluck, little cluck, little cluck. Yeah, what you're thinking is true. He's the Messiah. This is going to be a sign to you. Okay, you ever want people to, they prove it to you and you say, well, let me see for myself. This is going to be your sign. I'm not going to tell you, you know, just say this. I'm going to show you this. You will find the babe wrapped in cloths, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels. So the skies open up and angelic beings join this one announcer and they fill the sky and they say what we stopped on last week, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This all is to bring glory to God and to bring an opportunity for peace to us. God's glory our peace. And after this year, we talked about it last week, who, who in this room would like to experience some semblance of peace in their lives, in their countries, in their communities, and in their families? Anybody yearn for some peace in their hearts, some peace in their relationships, some peace in their marriages, some peace in their politics? Come on, Jesus. 
You know what I'm thankful for in 2021? How many of you have been a member of more than five churches? Member of more than five churches in your life. How many of you have attended more than three churches in your life? Can anybody think of anything that we argued, fought, or fussed about in our congregation for the last, can you even, how long? Anybody ever been, a, this is what I'm thankful for today right now. Our, our, our little body here is blessed with peace. What do you think? When was the last time that there was some disruption in the force of the peace of the body of believers here at NBC? Extraneous forces not included. Bring the floods. Bring the floods. You know why? Because we're going to laugh about it. We got carpenters and we got contractors and we got painters. We got people that'll handle it. All right? We got earth movers for crying out loud. We just need it to be warm enough to move the earth. You know what I'm saying? Mustard seed. Well, we got skid steers. All right. Glory to God in the highest, on on earth, peace on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. And that's all you really need to hear. When the angels left, it wasn't like we need to vote, we need to have a conversation, we need to keep here with the sheep. No, let go. All right. I love it. Oh, I keep turning this thing and now it's tiny. Hold on. There we go. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The Lord told them about what? The Lord, which I find amusing. So they hurried off, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Oh, so far so good. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed. And all who heard were amazed. And the shepherds returned. So the men who saw God, the men who saw the baby, praising God for all the things he had seen, which were what? Just as they'd been told. You're not looking at it. There it is. Just as they'd been told. Now, when we're speaking of shepherds and angels, we're going to think bright lights in the sky like stars, and we're going to think um, scrubby, farm, you know, bearded people on earth, right? All right? The, the, the shepherds that we see have the little things with the hook on the end that stand about as tall as them, and they smell like they've been with animals all the time. They have one-piece outfit on, maybe a little string tied. There might be a rod down in here. Remember in the 23rd Psalm, the shepherd's psalm, it kind of describes a shepherd, all right? Thy rod and thy staff, they always carried a staff, and that was to move the sheep. They always carried a rod. That was to protect the sheep, all right? And they, they say, think of that rod a lot like a policeman's, um, you know, policeman's battering rod, you know? They said it was similar in size, similar in shape, and sometimes they would drive nails into the tip so that when they could swing it with force, it would do damage and move animals away. David would have carried one of these. There may have been a sling stuck over the belt, a piece of yarn, a piece of string, a piece of something that had a little leather pouch that would hold the pebble that they could hit things from further away that the rod wouldn't reach, all right? This is the, what we think. We also don't understand the concept of sheep, all right? We think sheep in a field. Listen to me. There, I don't think there's any way for me to get you to fathom how many sheep are in fields? How many sheep are in the Old Testament? I'm going to give it a go, all right? Shepherds were abundant because they needed to be because sheep were abundant. All right, Lot, just Lot. Now, Lot had some money, but he was just a, a man in a town, all right? Just Lot, we're told, had 14,000 sheep. That doesn't count goats, donkeys, anything else. That's just his sheep. That's not 10, 14,000 sheep Lot had, all right? Another thing. Solomon was a 
pretty strong believer in, in, in God and in the Torah, all right? He was also a powerful and a very rich king, all right? If you believed in what the, the Torah, what the law said, you were to sacrifice 10% of your sheep as an offering unto the Lord, right? Do you know how many sheep the Bible tells us Solomon sacrificed in one, one, one sitting one night? 120,000. Hold on. If you're sacrificing 120,000, that's 10% of what? 1.2 million sheep. That's just Solomon's sheep. There are sheep everywhere. This is why they were directed. Can you imagine 1.2 million sheep running around town? That doesn't go well for anybody, right? So the rule was that your sheep must be tended, and this is where we find Moses go when he became a shepherd. He went where? Into the wilderness, all right? The law stated that sheep were to be tended or regulated or raised out in the wilderness, except, okay, except for a very special group of sheep. This very special group of sheep were groomed to be sacrificed. They were groomed to be sacrificed. And the highest of those, the most unblemished of those, the most perfectly aged, born at perfectly the right time, because they had to be a year old and they had to be unblemished, all right, those were the ones that were sacrificed at the Passover. Those are the ones that were sacrificed at the Passover, the most important feast, the most important sacrifice that there was for the, for the people of Israel, all right? So there's an old writing called the Mishnah, and I had to write it down because there's words on here that I don't use every day, all right? And I want you to listen. And the Mishnah, um, I'm not just making something up here. Imagine if you were to just go in an old library in an old country and find a scroll or find a history book. That would be something like this. If you were to find the, hey, here's the things that the, the Greek people in this year, these were their laws and their commandments, or hey, this, this was the, the constitution of the city of Rome circa a certain day. It's just like that. You find it. So there's regulations given given in the Mishnah to how people were to deal with shepherds and, and with sheep. One was you had to be in the wilderness unless the sheep were being groomed, and those sheep were groomed by special priest shepherds. So they are priests and shepherds who know all of the rites and rituals and know how to prepare the lambs for the sacrifice, all right, the sheep for the offering, and they are shepherds as well, right? Number two, they would have watched from what is called a migdal ader, a migdal ader, E-D-E-R, all right? It literally translates, I love this, it literally translates tower of the flock, tower of the flock. So when you watch the special sheep or when you had a large enough herd, you would build those things that look kind of like the stands that band directors get up on when they're watching the kids. You know how they climb the steps and they watch from this platform so they can see the whole formation, all right? So the, the, the Migdal Ader, the, the, the priest would go up there, especially at night, so that he could keep a better eye on the flock as all, and he would yell down to the other priest shepherds and say, well, over here, or over here, or watch out for that. Interesting when it says back here, remember this? Um, and the shepherds were keeping watch, what? Over. Did you ever think about the word over being anything other than they were watching it? It actually means they would have been hovering above. They were keeping a lookout 
over above their flock. It's very specific to this type of priest at this type of time. It's very specific also to this place because we know it says right outside of Bethlehem, out in the fields, look at the word, nearby. We know that the group of sheep that were in this place were near town and were watched over so they were sheep that were being groomed for sacrifice, which means nearby, cut out in the side of the hills, would have been open spaces so that if wolves came, if weather came, if storms came, they could be put into those. We call them stables now. Are you getting where I'm headed here? Cut out near these would have been a place you could have taken the special sheep and put them indoors. And when these sheep were born, because they needed to be, it was very special, they even cooked them this way to keep them. If, if after they sacrificed the sheep, if it was one of the special sheep for the Passover, when they cooked it, they cooked it over an open fire so that it, they didn't have to fit it in anything. They would break the bones to fit it in the pot to boil it every other time. But the sacrificial lamb could never have his bones broken. So they would cook it over an open fire to keep the bones from being broken, right? So that also, at birth, what they would do is they would take this um, square a piece of cloth, about three foot by three foot, all right? It would be turned at an angle, folded down at the top, and many of you probably learned a technique similar to this at the hospital called swaddling, which comes from the swaddling cloth, which comes from the shepherds, and what they would do is for these, for every other lamb, you'd just swaddle, but for these, there would be strips cut, and the reason those strips would be cut is that as they would wrap them, they would actually wrap the limbs so that they would be a little better protected and so that they would grow as they should and then they would wrap the rest. So the sacrificial lamb to be sacrificed at the Passover by the priests who knew exactly what sacrifice, these are the priests that were announced to that inside a place there would be a Messiah that was promised who would be the one who would be sacrificed for the sins of the world and would come and be protected in one of the stables that they would protect the lambs in. And, lambs in. and when they find him, they would find him what? Swaddled. Come on. Come on. Hundreds of thousands of years prior, the shepherds that we put off to the side of the pro Christmas program are probably the ones we need to keep an eye on. Why? Because when the big word of God comes out, we all get fired up. The Edge Conference Youth Camp, a big revival, we all get fired up. When the angels come out, hey, we're all fired up. But then Jesus does exactly what Jesus says we're going to do, and it becomes commonplace. Come on, church. I'm setting you up here. When they heard, they did not tally their responsibilities, their finances, how tired they were, how late it was. They simply went to see if what the angels said was true. They didn't say it wasn't. They didn't say it was. They just went to see. And when they were there, they found what God has always done, exactly what he said he would do, a babe in a manger, in a protective stall, wrapped, swaddled, because the Bible says, you know why he was stabbed? Normally when they check you at crucifixion, when you die, you know what they would do to check and see if you were dead or to help speed it up? 
they'd break your legs, but they couldn't because he was the perfect lamb, so they stabbed him, and none of his bones were ever broken. You know what day Jesus was sacrificed on? The Passover. The crucifixion is Passover weekend. When they had seen him, not a powerful being that rose up, spread his arms, and flung things around as if he was some god, a baby. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had seen. And all who heard it were amazed. I, we, the church is failing. The church is failing in this place. When was the last time that you saw someone who you knew was going to break hell wide open, spend an eternity in death and darkness, die for their sins, and you had the answer, and so you went up and you shared that answer with them. When was the last time that you did that? Now, please don't answer, because you and I both know if I asked 65 people in this room, 60 of those people probably would have to respond, I don't remember. I'm not talking about coming to church and doing it where it's easy. I'm talking about telling someone who's dying and going to hell that Jesus is the way. And you have what you don't deserve, and they don't deserve it either, but you have the gift and you tell them. When they saw the baby, they went and told everyone, and everyone that was me. I know, I know, maybe. Maybe it's weird. Craig, it's just weird. I mean, isn't that your job? Isn't it your job to stand in front of everybody and tell them about Jesus? That's what we pay you. Be careful, church. Well, Craig, it's not politically correct anymore. I mean, seriously. If I walk up to somebody and, 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 you know, we're taught to say, why would I need Jesus? Well, because you're a sinner. That's just odd. I mean, who am I to tell somebody you're a sinner? I mean, you're a mistake maker. I mean, what you do is worse than what I do. Who am I to tell anybody that? Craig, that's just awkward. So it just, I don't like, it, it makes me uncomfortable. It's not politically correct. It's not kosher. It's just weird. I don't know exactly what to say, which is not true, because you can go back to about four weeks ago in the sermon, and I taught you about five different ways to do it, including a piece of paper and your hands, all right? And I know that because my friends were here the last time, and I did that message, because they asked me about it uh, like two days ago, because they said, what's the pinky mean? All right? So I know when I did it, and so do they. So what? Here's what I'm going to say. What if the reason, just hear me out. What if the reason that you don't shout from the mountaintops how awesome God is, is because you're no longer amazed by him? And all who heard it were amazed. We stand in the presence of God and we sing his songs and we hear his scriptures. You know, you know what our response to that is? 
We walk out the same door, get in the same car with the same people, head to the same restaurant. Can I ask you a question? I bet almost everybody in this room can tell me the name of the guy that hit seven three-pointers in a game yesterday. What's his name? Dante Allen. That was an amazing thing that happened. Kid comes in and gets his chance, gets seven three-pointers. I get on Facebook at 9-12 last night, and out of the first 10 posts, eight of them were Dante Allen. When something amazing happens, it gets posted. Sunsets get posted. Planets aligning get posted, right? Miracles that happen in people's lives. I'm over COVID. I'm out of the hospital. Things that amaze us get posted. When was the last time we saw something about how awesome Jesus was and saving our sins got posted on Instagram or Facebook? You know what it says to me? You're no longer amazed. Your Jesus is common. And that is not the Jesus that I read in the scripture. When you decide that your uncommon Jesus is amazing, this church will change everything. That's my prayer for your 2021. Jesus amazes you again. He's no longer common. Because when he is, it won't be about what I have to teach you when it comes to evangelism. I won't be able to stop you. And I won't try. And if I was honest, I'd probably learn something. I'm going to stop. I think that's the best place. Let's pray. God, to be amazed by your wonder, by your grace again, to be overwhelmed by your power, to be stunned by your majesty, to be wowed by your perfection, to be lifted up by the fact that our Heavenly Father does everything he says he's going to do to run into the future knowing that the hands that hold the world hold our fate and love us dearly. Oh, to be amazed once again, not by the angelic, but by the shepherds and their overwhelming joy and excitement to share with everyone they knew that the Messiah had come and it was exactly like God said it was going to be and everyone needed to know that the Savior was born because everyone needs the Savior who lived, loved, and died to take away the sins of the world. Be ye amazed, God. In Jesus' name, amen.